I'm Sonia Morton Firth and you're tuned in to the Sonia Morton Firth Show. Today my guest is Alison Edgar, also known as the Entrepreneur's Godmother. And you and I both know sales is only about asking great open questions, listening to the answer, go back in with more open questions, find the need, deliver the benefit, close and then overcome objections and negotiate. That's all it is, right? In 2020, Alison was awarded an MBE for services to entrepreneurship and business. Watch this interview as we discuss sales, smashing goals, and the personal development industry. Don't forget that a lot of people set their goals because it's what other people have for them as their goals. So like, you know, my goals would be based on what my mum and dad wanted for me as a goal. Or, you know, and I thought, oh, do you know what? That was a perspective I hadn't really thought about. A lot of people don't set their goals because it's their own goals. Alison, thank you so much for being a guest on my show today. I feel truly honoured. I know we're not face to face, but, you know, the next best thing, um, you're here, practically here in my kitchen on Zoom. How are you doing, Alison? I'm great. I love being in the kitchen. I hope you've got the kettle on for a oh, week. Well, Sonia. <laughs> waiting for a nice cup of tea. <laughs> Alison, I'm so dying to get into your journey. But before we do that, can you tell my audience who you are and what you do now? Sure. So I am Alison Edgar and I'm going, I'm going to like pinch myself. MBE. Uh, so I'm known as the entrepreneur's godmother, but I'm also the author of two Amazon bestselling books. And the new one is called Smash It, The Art of Getting What You Want. I'm also a speaker and um, a coach. So, you know, I, I do quite a lot of the things that a lot of people do, but I like to think that I do them slightly differently. Well, let's delve a little bit deeper because you started your business at 46. Is that right? Yeah, forty. I never, I never thought I would ever have a business, Sonia. To be fair, and that to me, when I read that, that really blew me away because I think a lot of people out there think, oh, you have to be really young. But not only did you start at forty-six, you were recently, or last year, awarded, as you said, an MBE. Can you take us back to your background and how you got to that point? So I, I think. Uh, I left school at 16 and I'm dyslexic. So again, you know, I, I had a great family life. So I was brought up to be quite confident, if that makes sense. Like my mum and dad had always rewarded me on effort because nobody knew that I was dyslexic. They knew that I was trying my best. It's just the results academically weren't happening. So I think from an early age, I've always focused on my strengths. What was I really good at? And not not, not worried about the weaknesses, but focused on the things that I, I could do. Um, and I, then I worked in hospitality for, for 10 years and then I went to work for BT, Dowegberts and Yale. So I came from a sort of corporate sales background and I, I reckoned one of my, my mission statements and mantras is when it's delivered correctly, sales and customer service is exactly the same thing. So I think for me, that was just really important that um, building that relationship with people was something that I was really good at. But I think one of the things when you do work for an organisation, if, you know, if, if they're not changing at the same pace as you or the values don't match, you have to go and do something for yourself. And I think that's where I decided I had no idea, Sonia, I didn't have a clue what I was going to do. Right. And like all us girlies, you know, pick up the phone to our pals. What do you think I should do? And you're going to set up a sales training company to teach people to sell the way that you do. And I thought, right, OK. 
I'm going to do that. And I did it. And again, it was big and it was beaved and it was bold. And I didn't know if it was going to work out. But, you know, again, you know, I know this will uh, hit and, you know, a nerve with you and the people that are watching. But the why I wanted to do it was because I knew that small businesses really struggled with sales. They were okay when the phone rang or they got inbound inquiries, but they weren't really good at putting a proactive strategy together. And that's something that I was really good at. That was the thing that got me up in the morning was to teach people how to do that. And then that kind of evolved into um, when there used to be government funding to help cover my costs with organisations. And in 2015, that, that finished, the government turned the tap off. And that was okay because the business was my business was still strong but what about those startups and micro businesses who had no money how can i help them and that's where i've got one of my clients that makes gin sonia he makes gin makes he's amazing you're your, your client isn't it uh-huh <laughs> amazing and i phoned him and i said look i need a i need a name for this brand and he said oh that's so easy you are the entrepreneur's godmother and I thought, what is that? What does godmother actually mean? And I Googled it and it's a person of influence in somebody's life or organization. And I went, oh, I am the entrepreneur's godmother. So that's when, you know, how do you help more people as well when they don't have any money? I wrote the first book, Secrets of Successful Sales. And then again, I, I've never done anything in personal development. So I've never been on any, any personal development courses. And, and But what was happening is people were reading the first book and they were saying, oh, my life's a lot better. My, you know, I've got more, more time in my day. My relationships are better. My life is better. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to write another book now to help everyone else because they wouldn't pick up the first book because it, it mentioned sales and a load of people hate sales. So that's where they do. Smash It came from. So yeah, that's a kind of like little short journey that's of it. where I was. And, and there is so much I want to pick up on there, Alison. Um, and I guess, firstly, going back, to, um, to, to your beginnings and what you first said was you grew up with dyslexia yet you just finished by telling me you've written your second book how did you overcome that challenge because that must have been a big challenge for sure and again I think this will resonate with the with the audience because for I don't know however many years I told myself I can't write I can't write I'm dyslexic poor me oh I can't do this and we've all got that you know not everyone's got dyslexia Sonia but everybody's got things in their head that they say that they can't do that you know you look at your fitness journey and when you started your fitness journey like throughout that path or before you took the first steps there was probably times that you thought that you couldn't do it and that was the same with me with the writing and I think the catalyst and again I'm sure you know the catalyst when you made your change as well that for me I I've I was never frightened to grow my team, right? Because I know the things that I'm not great at and I knew I needed people to surround me. And I like working with young people. I feel that they keep me quite young in my, my mindset and my spirit. And the girls had come in and they're like, I'm going to write a blog on this and I'm going to write a blog on that. And I'm going to write this. And I'd be going, oh, you, you do that girls, I can't write. And then one day I went, actually stop, stop a minute. And they're all like that, what, what, what? And I'm like, who tells me that I can't write? I'm going to write a blog and they're like good on you Alison you write a blog so my first blog was called uh, why sales and marketing is like golf and the blog went mad it was only 500 words it was covered in grammar errors you know what I mean the girls had to fix your grammar errors because this is like so you let's just put it out anyway um it went mad and then 
the book just called me and I think my confidence grew again you know like the changes you've gone through you don't start off being confident no. it's you know you practice you get better you practice you get better and that's where the confidence comes from so yeah and then I thought well people need this book it's my duty to do this I have to do this because they need it and and then it got even worse than that, Sonia, because then I decided I got really brave. Then I narrated the audio book. So wow. with great auditing, I now um, great editing rather than auditing. Um, I've got two audio books as well. So you can change it. You just have to take it a wee step at a time. So if you look back now, do you think um, your dyslexia and, and maybe part of your background actually helped you get to where you've got to today? Oh, completely, definitely. I think it. I see things. I call it. I've got a quirky head, and I've got a quirky head for sales. And I believe that everything we do in our life is a sale. So getting somebody to make you a cup of tea, that's still a sale. And um, just quirky angles, and you know, based on the stuff that I teach around behaviours and questioning techniques, and um, yeah, I've just got that quirkiness that I've just managed to implement into my life. And and you know, people find me inspiring you know that's their words not mine all I do is get up every day I do my best I bring my a-game some days my a-game is getting out my pajamas some days it's climbing Mount Snowden but that's all you can do focus on bringing whatever your version of your a-game is so if that inspires people then that's again my duty just to keep up keep keep on keeping on bringing my a-game I'm sure you're inspiring you're certainly inspiring me but I'm sure you're inspiring so many entrepreneurs out there but there's more to it than just being an entrepreneur. Uh, what do you really owe your success to? And what would you say to other entrepreneurs that want to become successful, especially, I guess, in this day and age where we're just coming out of a, of a complete change of, of society, basically? I mean, for me, I think, again, it's really interesting when it comes to business. So, And, and life, Sonia, as well. I think that... In general, there's a lack of people don't know much about numbers, right? So if you look at business, if you watch shows like Dragon's Den, you know, it becomes hilarious. But at season 20 or whatever it is, and probably 2% of people when they get grilled know their numbers. There is a, a general lack of people not understanding finance. And I think, again, you know, when I, I started working in the first hotel at 16, and I thought a hotel receptionist just gave out keys. I didn't realize there was other tasks involved, but one of the tasks, and it, I get, I'm gonna show my age again. Well, everybody knows my age, but um, there was no computer. So every single penny that went through the hotel had to come through me. So I had to balance the ledgers, had to cash off the bar. So I think for me, that knowledge of numbers really helped me to take calculated risks. So I think if you've got that knowledge, whereas sometimes entrepreneurs, are a wee bit pie in the sky they got these brilliant ideas but they don't know how to implement them or they don't know how to you know make money from them that's the other thing you know even you look at the coaching market that loads of people are brilliant coaches but they don't really know how to price themselves how to value themselves and how to have a sustainable business so I think that's one of the things that I had always gained from an early age that really um that put me in good stead. I think the other thing is resilience. Like, I, I, it's, it's funny because my husband is completely different to me. Like, honestly, he's what is you would describe him as a doer Scotsman. Oh, okay. uh, so, uh, like, literally, he's Captain Sensible. Um, and 
like years ago, like we would maybe be in our twenties, he obviously went on a course about resilience and like he said, oh, you focus on the things you can control, not the things you can't. And I think that's a hard lesson to learn, but his little words, his little doer words always ring in my ear. And I think that's what helps me to be resilient. That if, I'm, if, I, if I can focus on what I'm doing and how I can help and really, you know, turn the can'ts into cans, then that's, that's all I can do. That's quite fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Now there is a link here and also you, you focus a lot of your business on sales training. Um, and as you said, you've done this for a number of years. Tell me, I, I've been, I was in sales for about 20 years in the city. And I've got to say back then it was a dirty word. Uh, and I think in some respects, it still is a dirty word and a lot of people struggle. Um, I'm going to say maybe particularly women and not not to, to sort of be gender, you know, not to, to put out put that necessarily. But why do you think that is? And what link do you see with sales and being an entrepreneur? So I think you are so right. And again, I, I would agree that a lot of women specifically do struggle with it. And my honest opinion is fear of rejection. Sales is riddled with rejection, right? Literally. Because, you know, in theory, it is a numbers game and a lot of people don't know how to sell, right? A lot of people don't know the sales process. So, you know, when it comes to anything, then that's where the rejection actually comes. So if you have a look, um, why, why is that fear of rejection there? And I do believe it comes from between our ears, that our brain is there to protect us and keep us safe. And if we feel endangered that somebody might be not nice to us or somebody might reject us, then what might happen is that we don't pick up the phone or we shy away from it, we'll send a text or we'll send an email and we don't have that difficult conversation. So I, I, I think a lot of people can't help themselves. So I think that's where um, it's important to realize that, that's, that it's the fear that's holding us back of rejection rather than anything else. I completely, completely agree with you. And honestly, Alison, I came out of, of my sales job ooh, a number of years ago. And, you know, I was a hard-hitting sales lady and pretty much at the, at the top of my game and, and loved it and was good at it. But as, as soon as I came out and looked at myself and my own business, it was a completely different story. And I found myself not being able to sell me. And... Um, I think a lot of maybe entrepreneurs feel that way because they're putting themselves out there. Is there any advice that you would give anyone that's watching this and thinking, well, yeah, I can do sales, but actually deep down there, they're frightened and they're using every excuse under the book. Because let's face it, we all have had those excuses come and go and maybe tomorrow, or I'll write my list first, or I'll do some marketing or whatever else without actually going and getting either in front of the client or on the phone and actually doing the sales. What advice would you give to anyone that's, that's maybe going through that? So my top tip is learn to sell. I think that part of the reason is people don't have skills. It's a wee bit like learning to swim, Sonia, isn't it, right? You go out in the pool and if you don't know how to do the breaststroke or the front crawl, you're going to drown, right? Because you don't know how to do it. Whereas if you learn to swim, then actually you can 
you, you survive, won't you? And actually, if you learn to swim even better, you would actually learn to enjoy it. And the more you enjoy something, the better you get. Whereas if you've never been taught how to sell, you think that sales is just about going, and I do this, and I do that, buy my product, buy my product. And you and I both know sales is only about asking great open questions, listening to the answer, go back in with more open questions, find the need, deliver the benefit, close, and then overcome objections and negotiate. That's all it is, right? You and I have spent long enough in sales to know that that is the process. But if you've never come from a sales background and you start your business, you don't know those fun fundamentals and again like swimming you're going to drown and your business will not survive actually if you do not sell you don't have a business you've just got a good idea and to me that is you know bringing it back to things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs that actually if your business isn't bringing any money you can't put food on the table and then you don't have shelter that you can't you know you know, be the next Bill Gates or the next Steve Jobs because you're so busy panicking that you're in this situation where you're trying to put food on the table that your business will never thrive and survive. And if it doesn't survive, the thing that you are actually delivering, so, you know, you could have the best shoe cleaner in the world, you could have the best coaching services in the world, but people will not experience them if they can't find you and they don't buy it. So it's your duty really to learn those skills. Absolutely. And is there any, any sort of, where areas that you would say this is where you can learn the skills or this is how you can practice learning the skills oh i would recommend a great book called secrets of successful sales by alison edgar mbe of course absolutely I would we'll put the link um, in there yeah but i think you know it's like anything and again it's like coaching like the methodologies are fairly similar you can learn everything on the internet there's nothing that you can't learn on the internet but it's sometimes you need that human interaction you know that's why we have teachers in education not just everything you know is an online course because actually different people learn in different ways and it's having that interaction with somebody that's done it and you know got the t-shirt that when you look at your pipeline management or you look at you know why you're not bringing in revenue that they can actually give you really sound strong advice as to what you should do in those sales calls so it's okay to have the techniques you know i relate it back to golf i used to play golf for the west of scotland and when i started i was rubbish sonia i was rubbish i couldn't hit the ball kept missing it fresh ear shots and i took myself off to the fairway to practice hit the ball practice and then i got a coach who said like actually you need to move your swing around a little bit or you need to watch your stance on that that's why you keep hitting to the right you know you do need to me it's not just knowing the process it's having somebody to coach you through to get the results that you want you wouldn't do it in sport but people do it in business and again that still dumbfounds me as to why they think they can get the best results when they haven't got the knowledge behind them to go and go and get a coach now you've mentioned coaching a few times actually as we've spoken i know your new book that that you just released uh smash it is is actually a personal development book it's not not a sales book or, or... <sighs> now tell me about that personal development uh um where where you where your thoughts are in, in terms of the personal development world well i think that's another thing that called me Right, I, this was never as part of the plan. A bit like setting the business was never part of a plan. It just, it called. And the reason that it called me was people were using the techniques from the first book, but they were using it in their everyday life. And I thought, I really need to write one 
in personal development because the stuff that I teach works. And I'll give you an example. Um, one of the things I talk about is Alison Edgar's big balls because loads of people, when it comes to change, when it comes to life, when it comes to relationships, nobody's ever got any time. I think time is the biggest excuse for people not fulfilling their dreams or smashing it or getting what they want. So I think one of the things I, I talk about is how you manage Alison Edgar's big balls, the basketballs, the tennis balls and the ping pong balls, because another thing I find in a lot of maybe not even so much personal development, but business books, I don't understand it, Sonia. It's so um, difficult. The language is academic. The theories are all, I, I just don't get them. So I make everything as easy as I can as possible. So that's where Alison Edgar's big balls is one of the fundamentals. But um, and the other thing that I did was I've obviously in the first book, I've got a, a process. I believe process is, is a really strong um, thing to follow. It's easy to follow, isn't it? If you follow a process nine times out of 10, you'll get a result. And, you know, it's a bit like manufacturing, isn't it? Manufacturing is a process. Follow the process. Voila, you've got your Dyson vacuum at the end. Sometimes things don't go through quality control, but with a process, you get there. So I created the smash it process. And again, sort of based on what people were doing with the first book, so uh, uh, it's easy for people to follow. But the other thing in personal development, which again, from the research, I think there's two things that stop people from smashing it and getting what they want. So the first thing is definitely themselves. And you know, you know that with the work that a lot of the stuff is blocked again between their ears. You know, I'm not worthy of it. I can't do it. I've got limiting beliefs or whatever it is. Well, that that's a you thing. So I call that in the book the me thing. But then if you look at other things like you know, getting a promotion at work, settling down with a partner, you know, buying a house with someone, you know, all that other stuff. Well, with the best will in the world, you could want all that but somebody else is involved. So I've also created the smash it process for the we thing. So not like the Scottish we thing, but the you and another person thing. And I think that's where, I, 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 when you said about moving into that space, I kind of turned my nose up, but it's not that I don't value that space. It's just that I just still to this day, I'm a wee bit shocked that I moved there because I wasn't expecting to go in that direction, but the direction called me. And, and the other thing that I did was, to accompany the book, I invested in an app so that it comes with a free app so that, again, you know from your side, you can give somebody all the, the tricks of the trade, but it's up to them to take action. You know, you can coach somebody through anything, but if they don't do it, it's not going to happen. And I think that's where using the app just starts to create those habit forming changes. Alison, I absolutely love this because, um, you know, I've been in the personal development for, world for a, for a while and I, and I used to run one of the largest communities. Um, but I actually became quite despondent about the whole um, sort of coaching industry. Not, not everybody out there, but the one thing that I see a lot of people do going to these, this is before COVID, but going to these workshops, listening to these people on stage, uh, not naming any names, but is the, the lack of taking action and it's the constant going and listening to this being upsold, but actually where is, where is the actual action being taken? And so for you to actually say that and say, not only have you brought out a book, but you've actually brought out an app to accompany the book. I mean, I think that's absolutely fantastic. Can you tell me a little bit more about how the app works in conjunction with the book? 
Yeah, I'll tell you now, but Sonia, I loved you before. I love you even more now, literally, because, you know, I've been talking about Smash It. And part of the reason that I did go into that space is I feel there's a lot of sharks in the water. I think a lot of people get manipulated, specifically women, you know, and as part of the research, you know, I did, you know, I, I went to a couple of events and this whole, you know, what do you want your life to look like? Look through the crystal ball, you know, what is your life like? Your life is pathetic now, but if you spend money with me, you run to the back now with your credit card and getting yourself into debt, then your life is going to be wonderful Movement. because I'm trying to get people to stop doing that stuff. And, and I think there's a lot of the blame game, right? So, oh, well, you know, you might have paid me the money, but it's up to you. You didn't take the action and all that kind of stuff. And, and, but sometimes taking action isn't as easy as that, Sonia, is it? You know, with all the best will in the world, people want to change or they wouldn't have gone there in the first place. But again, it comes back to that fear. They're scared. You know, you need somebody to help them. And that's where, you know, the app is free. And again, you know, I, I would recommend people download it. It, it comes it supports the book right it doesn't really make sense because what will happen is if you're listening to the book on audible or you're going through the sections you've got a wee video of me so you know in the personal development space it's about goal setting isn't it you know there's not a lot of new things in this industry because it's the same where are you now where do you want to go what's holding you back and why do you want to go there that formula is the same no matter who you were working with because it works but what I do is like on my little video. So it's video based. You go right task one and I'll go, hi, it's Alison. Well done. You've taken the first step. Right. Come on then type in here. What's your goal? So you go in and you type your goal and then it will track your goal and go, right. How are you feeling today about that goal, Sonia? Are you happy? Are you sad? Are you, and again, it, you know, you get the little notification and it will, will check in and how you are. And, you know, at the moment it is, it's low touch because, obviously I've invested a lot of money in it to help people achieve their goals. I can't put much more time in because I've got to run a business and pay my team. And that's where a lot of my revenue, and I think this is the difference as well. My revenue comes from speaking at events. So my clients are like the European Commission, Discovery Channel, uh, Worth, National Lottery. So I'll go in and I'll do a talk on entrepreneurship for them. And I'm a wee bit like Robin Hood. So I'll take from the large corporate organizations and that, that's where my revenue comes from. So it means that I can give back to the people that really help me and the people that are scared and the people that are frightened and don't know where to start changing. And I think, you know, I, I think again, interesting coming back to the sharks in the water, like they'll see that they're coming from the, the place of love and the place of help. And, you know, they'll show you the slide of like, I feed all these starving children all over the world. But actually, you know, it's not, it's about cash for them and the bottom line and how much money they can sell off the back of it. And that's for me, not, not how I operate, because I don't really take much money from that space. I take it from other places. Thank you, Alison, for, for that, <laughs> because you've just said something that I've, I've been thinking for, for a long time. And um, I, I fully book, I fully back, sorry, smash it. and. Um, what you're trying to do that's that's absolutely phenomenal but what why do you think it is that so many people don't reach their goals i think there's a statistic that i heard that was like 90 something percent of people set goals but they don't actually come to fruition why, why do you think that is i think it's several reasons but yeah one of the stats i quote in the book is according to inc magazine in 2018 um only eight percent of people hit their goals leaving 92 percent of people not getting there so I, I think there's a couple of things I think a lot of people don't set goals and it, I tell you what is really quite interesting as well Sonia that 
you know, I'm on Clubhouse or I'm, I'm, I'm speaking to entrepreneurial people or, you know, now people who are in like the personal development space or coaching space like yourself. And we kind of take it as read that everybody does that. But when I work in organizations, so again, around change, around leadership, and I'll go, right, who in the room has got a vision board or who in the room set goals? Like virtually nobody puts up their hands. And even if they do put up their hand, they don't really know why they've set it. So again, I do believe it's that, you know, you know yourself through anything, like look at your fitness journey. You cannot tell me that some of those days that you just could not be asked and you had to tap into your resources and work out why you were doing what you were doing to actually get you to the gym or get you to do that. And I think, again, people don't really know what their why is or the why isn't strong enough. And then the other thing, you know, comes back to smart objectives. Now in business, we, you know, you, from your background, everything would have been smart. Is it specific? Is it measurable? Blah, 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 blah. Is it time-based? Everything in our lives in corporate businesses would have been structured in that way. But if you've never worked in corporate, you don't know how to set that. So again, I, I believe it's a skills gap that people um, don't know how to set it properly. They don't know how to... Um, reward themselves and celebrate it you know a lot of people are like oh but i could have done that faster i could have done that better no it's not you've done it no take that box what's the next one let's you know and really you know developing themselves i know it sounds bizarre because we're talking about personal development but i think a lot of people give up on their goals because maybe they, they make them too high and they don't break them down enough or they do them and they're too easy and then they think oh, i'm not going to bother doing that anymore so i think it's not quite as straightforward. I think there's a combination of factors in there. Do you think part of it is, like you said at the beginning, just there that they don't link it or they don't have a strong enough why? You know, I know Simon Sinek talks about uh, the why and having a why. Um, I, I've always linked my goals to my values, what I, what I strongly believe in. Uh, and I believe each one of us are different and you can't take somebody else's goals. Your goals have to be unique to you. And when you I think find that, then then you don't need motivation to get up in the morning because you've got you, you know you, you have your your why. Uh, what what? Oh, completely. I think it's really interesting as well because when I was writing the book, so um, I've I work with a young team as I mentioned, and I need like sometimes help to get the stuff out of my head. And my team again, they're all in their twenties, and Kaya who I encourage my team to leave and go traveling because I think there's a big world out there. And I think that travel really broadens your horizon. It teaches you things that you can't find in a book. So Kaya was off in Portugal and then lockdown happened. She came back to the UK. She didn't have a job. And I said, look, come back. We're going to get this book. We didn't even, it wasn't called Smash It. It was called The Art of Getting What You Want because it's based on my TEDx. So said, we're going to get this done. And she's like, right, okay, we'll get that done. And um one of the things she said, Alison, but don't forget that a lot of people set their goals because it's what other people have for them as their goals. So like, you know, my goals will be based on what my mum and dad wanted for me as a goal or, you know, and I thought, well, do you know what? That was a perspective I hadn't really thought about. A lot of people don't set their goals because it's their own goals. It's for what somebody else wants for them. Look at, you know, people going through uni, you know, if you're the first child that's going through uni because you come from a, a family that have never had M to go through uni, you know, you're living your life sometimes through other people's goals. And that can be the same 
in a relationship that actually why do you want that um promotion well i want it because it's more money my wife wants more money or my husband wants more money in the bank account at the end of the month so again you might not aspire for that promotion but you're living your life through somebody else's goals and i think that's another common reason that people give up and that's another common reason that relationships break down is because the goals and the values are completely different you mentioned young people i know you do do a lot of work with young people how and how I consider myself young, but I've just turned 50. So I don't know if that's, that's not young. Anymore. I feel young. I feel young. We, we both feel young. I feel young as well. We're in our 20s, Sonia. Look Absolutely. at us. We're doing it well. Woohoo. Definitely. How do you think, um, looking back at the people in the 20s and people that you work with, do you think um, the mentality has changed from, say, when we were in our 20s? towards personal development, towards being an entrepreneur. I mean, certainly when I was at school, there was no option to be an entrepreneur. I mean, you, you had it mapped out. It was school, A-levels and university. If you were if you were intelligent enough, and I say the word intelligent in a, in a very quote unquote way, how do you think that affects um, uh, the younger generation now? I think they're much more savvy. I think they're more savvy around uh, certainly mental health and it's really interesting because a lot of people say they're, they're less confident but I feel there's a lot of confidence it's just channeled in different ways I think they're and I, and I think a lot of it comes to the internet because we never had when we were growing up we couldn't access information so we were more naive to a lot of things whereas now you can access everything at the you know the click of a finger so I think there is more awareness around that um but again, I think with the internet comes those problems and it's that social comparison, isn't it? So I think that, you know, sometimes social comparison can actually be a motivator to push you on. But a lot of the time it's a, you know, detractor and I don't feel good enough. I don't feel thin enough. I don't feel worthy enough. And I think it can actually, you know, suck people down into this big spiral. And again, coming back to younger people, I think are more aware of mental health. But I think that it's, um, you know, it's interesting that sometimes they still struggle to get out of the hole to help them to be more confident. So um, I think the internet, I sound like I'm at my granny. I think that internet has got a lot to answer for. Um, so I think it comes with positives and negatives. But one of the things for me, um, you know, I love to see, and I'll give you an example, one of the girls that works for me, you know, she started working with me when she was 19, no, she was 20. Um, she just had her 24th birthday. So she's been with me just sort of about three and a half years. And at the time, she struggled with anxiety, right? She was really anxious. Um, she was overweight. Um, she didn't have a great start in life. But I think again, and again, it is that thing, you know, the people you surround yourself with actually rub off. So now she's lost six stone in weight. Mm -hmm. um, her confidence is through the roof. She's now qualified in her digital marketing apprenticeship. I've now put her through a leadership program and that girl is ready for taking over the world. And I think, again, it's it's it is just that constant, you know, being around people who are positive, who see you for your worth, that allow you to make mistakes and and nurture you and teach you. And you know, if you're not working for an organisation that gives you that, or if you're not in implementing that in your business, then you should be because it's your duty to be able to, you know, as you um as you reach, you should as you climb, you should be pulling them up behind you, you know. I think it's really, really, really important that, that that happens for the next generation, especially females. Completely agree with you. 
Alison, what's your vision for the future? What's your next steps? So uh, exciting. Um, next week on Monday and Tuesday, I'm filming a new TV show for Amazon UK and Amazon US. And it's a combination between Dragon's Den and The Apprentice. And I'm on there as a mentor. So um, I've got to grow my profile, Sonia. The reason I've got to grow my profile isn't because I want to be famous, but if the more people know who I am, the more people will be able to access the Smash It method. It works, it helps them. And that's how you change the personal development market. You actually teach people to smash it and stop getting sucked in to the negative things that are out there. I love this. Alison, I could honestly talk to you all day. Um, and I've come to my final question, which I don't want it to be, but if you were to write a message in a bottle for future generations to find, what would the message be? Oh, I think I can answer that quite easily. Confidence is queen. Think like Demi Lovato. What's wrong with being confident? If you're not confident in yourself, other people will not be confident in you either. I'm Alison Edgar. I love that. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. Hope you enjoyed the show. Remember, there's a new interview out every Monday. So hit subscribe and like, and you'll get it straight into your inbox.